Once again, good morning, church. It is good to be with you all. Hi, Jim. Hi, Jim. Uh, I'm excited because a couple of things. Uh, As we mentioned before, Camp Challenge is coming up next week. We are, uh, I think, in the midst of the the pandemic and in in the midst of just not having camp last year. There's a lot of kind of this, like, anxiousness towards two very different directions. Um, One is the fact that, you know, we are excited to be able to do one of our biggest events as a youth group, once again. And the other um, idea is just having this, uh, like, gut-nagging feeling that, you know, um, of being surrounded by people, once again. I think, And I think that those are two very um, different things. Um, but I think what has really struck me as, as we've gone through this series on the book of Hebrews is where does our faith really lie? What are we as a church, how are we experiencing our world today? And I think more than ever, this series is so important for us um, as a church, as a body. Um, and so I just wanted to go ahead. Let's jump right in. We are in message five of our Hebrew series. Um, and last week... Uh, we began what we call this checkup list of faith. Um, And we talked about this idea that every year we should be going to the doctor's office. We should be having some sort of checkup with our physical bodies. And what we wanted to do now um, at this point in our series is to go, just take a pause and think through what are some of the checkup things in our faith? Especially this past year, being... um, online for all of our classes or all of our work, sitting in front of a computer screen, the closest uh, people in our families, the closest human beings to us were just our families, and we just had to see them for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, And then going through that, um, just really taking the time to think about how is our faith really doing? How is our faith really doing? And, And so we went through a few things Um, First of all, based upon this definition, which is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, which is the faith that faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. So based upon this definition of faith, how are we doing? And we walked through three things last week. And the first one was our worship. How is our worship doing when it comes to bringing the first fruits of um, of our lives before the Lord? The second part was talking about our walk. How is our daily walk with the Lord? Making these small decisions to follow after Jesus um, and knowing that in those small decisions, those bigger, those times where it requires a bigger decision of our faith um, will help us through that. And the last thing we talked about last week was our witness. How how, uh, people saw Noah build this giant ark Um, But who was saved was his family. His family was saved. And being able to witness that, witness Noah's faith and the way that he continued to um, show and live out his faith. As we continue on in Hebrews chapter 11, um, what we're going to be covering is not three different people today, but just one. We're going to cover one person. And this guy, according to Jewish tradition and according to Christian heritage, 
this guy is really, really important. So this is Abraham. We're going to be talking about Abraham this week. And instead of three W's, I thought of three O's that we're going to be talking about. So today we're going to be talking about obedience in faith, the object of our faith, and the offering of our faith. Now, when it comes to these three things, um, I think when we, we take a look at this list, it's going to be, I, I think this message in particular is going to be very difficult for some of us to hear. Because what it does is if we are actually honest with how we are doing in our faith, many of us are really struggling in these three areas. And so I just want us to just, I want to preface this message by saying, let's, it's, this is not a place for us to judge one another, but for really to, to be able to evaluate how we are really doing. And I think that when it comes to this checklist, check up list, it's really important for us to be very honest about where we are. Um, and so um, as we go, as we turn to the scripture, we're going to, so if you have your Bibles, open to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to start from verse 8. So if you have your Bibles, you have your Bible apps, go ahead and turn, um, open them. We're going to start from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, as a general, um, as just uh, looking at it overall, this is what scholars and theologians call the hall of faith. It means these, that means these are the people, these names that are mentioned in this chapter are the, the people to be recognized, the people to be acknowledged, the people that we as a faith community uh, need to look up to. And um, as Pastor Sam preached a couple of weeks ago, at the beginning of chapter 12, he says, now that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, and this is what that great cloud of witnesses is talking about, referring to all of these um, names that have been mentioned in chapter 11. Read along with me, starting from verse 8. It says this, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go, to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And, we, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose design and builder is God. The first thing that we want to talk about when we look at Abraham and his life is his obedience in his faith. Obedience. Um, and when it comes to our obedience, I think when it comes to this word obedience, we tend to have a very negative connotation about obedience. Because what uh, and we have a lot of teenagers and young people. When we say obedience, the first thing we think about is, oh, we have to obey our parents, right? Oh, I don't want to obey my, like, and, and this, this concept of obedience comes with, I have to do exactly what they say when they say it at the time that they say it, right? And so this idea that obedience means no questions asked, I don't get a say in these things. And so when it comes to this word obedience, especially when we think about our lives, about who God is, I think a lot of times we, our brain shut off because we think, I don't even obey my parents. How in the world are you going to expect me to obey someone like God? And let's take a look at what Abraham does. Right? Abraham goes out in faith, and he goes from his own home, his own country, into a foreign land. And, and we find this in Genesis chapter 12. This is what we know as the Abrahamic covenant, right? The Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12, this is what it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. 
and all of the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, in the Bible, there are two types of covenants. The first covenant is a conditional covenant. That is dependent upon both parties to fulfill certain conditions. And now, if either one of these conditions are unmet or are broken, then neither party is responsible to fulfill those expectations of the covenant. The second type of covenant is an unconditional covenant or a unilateral covenant. And this is an agreement between two parties, but only one of the parties has to do something. Nothing is required of the other party. And this promise, this covenant in scripture is a unconditional covenant that God gives to Abraham. And he says, I will give you this land and I will make you into a great nation. And it is because of this promise that Abraham obeys in his obedience. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, not knowing where he was going. This passage teaches us that because of the promise of God, Abraham obeyed. He left everything that was comfortable to him. He left his home country. He left his family. He left his house. And he traveled to a place that he did not know. And it goes on to say, in verse 9, he says, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise. Um, In another translation, it says this, that Abraham lived as a foreigner in a foreign land. He lived as a foreigner in a foreign land. And he was, in verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has its foundation, whose designer and uh, builder is God. Abraham left everything that he felt was comfortable. That was comfortable to him. He lived as an alien in a foreign land, and he continued to look for a permanent home. Now, can you imagine God calling you out to do this? Now, some of you guys are like, I'm 12. There's no way I can live on my own. And that's, you're right. Um, That's going to happen one day that your parents will eventually ask you to not live in their house. Um, I cannot say that has happened to me because I actually currently still live in my parents' house. Okay, I'm... I'm 36, I still live in my parents' house. It's a special situation, okay? My parents are actually missionaries in Germany, and we're technically watching the house for them. But at the same time, we're living in my parents' house, right? Can you imagine God saying, hey, I want you to pick up everything you know. I want you to pick up everything that you're familiar with, and I want you to go somewhere. I'll lead you. I'll tell you where to go, but you won't know where that destination is. Not only will you not know... Um, where you're going, but one day that land will be yours. That place will be yours as you will call it home. But maybe not in your lifetime. Eventually, one, one day, you'll get a place to call home. Can you imagine if God asked that of us? In the light of thinking of this word obedience plus this tremendous call, I think a lot of us would kind of cringe and, and, and maybe feel like, you know what, God, like that's a lot. That's a lot. And then when it comes to our faith and when it comes to responding to God, most of the time we are ending up questioning God, questioning God's purposes for our lives, questioning God's authority in our lives, questioning God's character. God, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to go to a Clemens High School. God, you don't know what it's like to go to Texas A&M. God, you don't know what it's like to be in my job. It's nice here. Well, some of you may not say that about your schools, but that's okay. It's, I like it here. It's comfortable here. I know people here. My parents live here. 
Can you imagine if God asked you to leave everything you know, go to a place that is foreign to you, that will be your new home? And, and I think this is really where um, a lot of Christians, we, we like to throw in this word about calling. Oh, God did not call me to be a missionary. Oh, God did not call me to be a full-time missionary. And that's fine. I agree. God does not call everyone to go into full-time ministry, nor does God call everyone to, you know, like, go onto the mission field. But what has God called you to do? And have you and I as Christians been sensitive to the Holy Spirit enough to be obedient to what God has called us to do? What is God calling us to do today? How are we, how are you and I as the church to be obedient to our faith? Now, many of us, you know, like we talked about this past year in the pandemic, where we like, oh, you know what? I, hey, Pastor Jeremy, I attended. I attended small group every Sunday. I was there. I mean, my camera was off, and I was playing Minecraft on my other screen. Um, but I was there. I was being obedient. I was there. Like, I, 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 my parents, you know, they set up the YouTube stream for me. And I was there. I mean, yes, I was scrolling through TikTok at the time, but I was there. Right? How much of our obedience when God is saying, hey, I want you to be obedient. And some of us have been so distracted. Where, where is our obedience in our faith? The Bible teaches us that as Christians, we are to love God and love others. The greatest commandment to love God, the second to love other people. Obviously, we as the church don't have the Abrahamic covenant promised to us. There's not a specific land promised to us. There is not a specific descendant line. No, God doesn't have this through your line. There's going to be a nation from you. Okay, that's not, that, that promise doesn't apply to us. But where have you and I been when it comes to God's commands and calling us out in faith? To love God and to love others. How have we been loving God this past year? How have we been loving others? And I think for, for the first one, I think, you know, it's really debatable because we, we weren't there. Like, I obviously can't see your face if your, your camera is turned off, right? If you're muted, your camera is turned off, I can't see your face. I don't know what's going on. I don't. But on the other hand, have we been that church, that body to, to go and, and to go out and to continue to love other people the way that God has called us to love? Are we being obedient as a church? Are we being obedient individually when God calls us to do these things? I think for some of us, the answer, if we are honest with ourselves, the answer is no. The answer is no. And I think that it, it's, it's um, I don't want to just say it's hard because we all, it, it is hard. It is hard. But, but I think like it's because we don't, really understand who God is, that we aren't obedient to him. You see, God calls Abraham into an uncomfortable situation. And through our faith, we should expect Christians, believers, churches, church, we should expect us to be in uncomfortable situations. Through all of the things that have happened this past year, we should expect ourselves to be in, in uncomfortable situations. And what do we do as a church? 
we decided I would rather be comfortable than to engage this world, to love God, to love people. Right? When, when, when people disagree with us theologically, they're saying, hey, you know what? Does the Bible really say these things? Instead of engaging them in discussion, instead of going forward and meeting them where they are and, and being obedient where God or maybe the Holy Spirit is leading us to share the gospel with a friend or to be able to love on one on a person who is maybe not feeling well during this pandemic, many of us have said, you know what? I'd rather be comfortable. I'd rather not do those things. And our, our, our obedience to God has suffered greatly. And trust me, as for me, as an Enneagram 9, I love being comfortable. I love being comfortable. And what that means is, for, for those of you who don't know, the Enneagram is just a personality test. And the one that I tested under, the most important thing for us is comfortability. I cannot imagine God saying, hey, take your wife, take your child, move to a foreign land, move away. But in our faith, if God calls us to do these things, are we obedient enough to say yes? God, I will obey. The second thing is the object of our faith. And this, uh, this ties in directly into the first one. Do we understand what the object of our faith is? Hebrews 11 continues on. It says this, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Even when she was past the age, she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him, as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. The second part of our checkup list today is the object of our faith. We don't obey God because we don't understand the object of our faith. The writer of Hebrews says this, she considered him faithful who had promised. In another translation, it says this, that she regarded the one who had given the promise to be trustworthy. The one who had given the promise, the one who had said this would happen, Sarah deemed him trustworthy. Sarah and Abraham both understood that because it was God who gave the promise, because it was God who gave them this covenant, that it would be fulfilled. And through that, they understood what the object of their faith was. The one who had given the promise was trustworthy. And actually, I think it's actually um, kind of really funny if you guys notice in verse 12. It says this, therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. This, this phrase is talking about Abraham. Okay? This, this phrase this is kind of a, like a backhanded compliment. Okay? So if you guys know the story of Abraham and Sarah, they were old. Abraham was 100 years old and had not conceived a child. And the writer of Hebrews says, this guy was as good as dead. Right? Some of our youth, a few of our college students, they, when, when I talk to them, one of the responses is, Jeremy, you're old. Yeah, I get it. Like, I have gray hair. I'm not 100 years old, okay? I'm 36, okay? Can you imagine being 100 years old and wanting your first child? As a parent now, like, as a, and our, our child is nine months, like, we barely sleep enough as is. And I'm tired. I don't know if you guys can see me. Like, these lights really accentuate the bags under my eyes. I'm tired. Can you imagine being 100 years old and then the Bible referring to you as good as dead? 
I, I find that completely hilarious at the same time amazing because at 100, God, because of their faith, God allowed them to conceive a child. Because they understood who the object of their faith was. I, I, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure some of our kids are going to come up to me afterwards. You're as good as dead. No. Um, the object of their faith was God. I love this quote. And I talked about this quote a couple of weeks ago from Tim Keller. It says, a strong faith in a weak object fails. But even a weak faith in a strong object succeeds. Abraham and Sarah's faith the object of their faith was thus is the strongest who's stronger than the god of the universe the creator of the heavens and the earth the alpha the omega the beginning the end the holy 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 god almighty that is the object of their faith that is who abraham and sarah put their faith in because he is trustworthy they knew him they had a relationship with him and many times for us, we as Christians and as believers, we put our object in weak things. We put our objects, our, the, the object of our faith in weak things, things that will crumble, things that will break, things that are already broken. A lot of times we as Christians do that. I remember asking some of our students at the beginning of the pandemic and saying, hey, how has this affected you so far? And some of the responses that I got were, you know what, Jeremy? I actually have more time now. I have more time. I can do my devotions every single day now. I have more time. I don't have to wake up at 6 o'clock to get to school. I don't have homework. I don't have, a lot, like, I don't have all of these things to do. I don't have any after-school activities. Swim practice is canceled. I don't have to go to, you know, I don't, I don't have to go to debate. I don't have to go to all of these things. And we put, this is what happened. Our students, they are, we put our, the object of our faith in ourselves. And the ability to be obedient, to the ability to continue to grow our faith on ourselves that became a thing it became we trust in ourselves the object of our faith was ourselves so that it was our responsibility to continue to grow our faith and later on as we continued on through the pandemic as we continue on us as the youth staff we would ask how are you doing have you been doing your quiet times have you been were, have you been waking up in the morning and, and spending time with the Lord? Have you been in community with your small group? Have you been going out and, and, and reaching others? The answer is no. It's hard. The answer is, you know, but you don't get it, Pastor Jeremy. I'm so tired. But you don't get it, Pastor Jeremy. There's just so many TV shows to stream. You don't get it, Pastor Jeremy. All my friends are playing Minecraft on Saturday. And I want to play with them. All my friends are playing Valorant. And, and we just, you know, we just, we don't, it's hard. Like, I, I know I should spend time with God, but Valorant is just so fun. The object of our faith, the growing of our faith, the sustaining of our faith has become about us and not about who God is. It's not about us. The object of our faith, we have put the object of our faith in something weak. And when that happens, that will always fail. No wonder when someone, when you see something on, online and it teaches you, hey, you know what? The Bible isn't real. Hey, you know what? Jesus didn't really come. Hey, you know what? 
do you really believe in this magical book? Do you really believe in that? And then, and then when people start questioning us, no wonder there's so much doubt and anxiety about our faith. No wonder. And I'm not saying we can't have doubts, church. Right? I'm not saying we can't have doubts. And I'm not saying don't ask questions. Please, if you have doubts, if you have questions, ask them in the church. Ask them here. Ask us. Ask the pastoral staff. Ask your leaders. If you have doubts, tell us about them. I mean, the last thing we want is you to feel like this is a place where you cannot ask questions. You cannot have doubts. You cannot be a person who thinks. That's not what we're asking you to do. Right? But we are asking, what are, or who or what are you and I putting our faith in? Is that thing, is that person trustworthy? Is he trustworthy? Is she trustworthy? Is it trustworthy? I remember growing up and thinking about the only thing that I want to do in high school as, as far as um, my future was concerned was to get into UT Austin. That's all I wanted. Like, I didn't, uh, I didn't apply to other schools. Um, I just said, hey, I'm just going to try to get in. And what I did was I spent all of my effort, I spent all of my time just looking at that one standard. What are the qualifications to get into UT? What do I need to do? And, uh, and of course, like most of us, I looked at the bare minimum. Like, what's the bare minimum I have to get? What's my bare GPA, right? And, and, and for so many of us, when we, th you know, and I, um, when we, we think about those things and we think about our faith, we think, what is the bare minimum? What is the bare minimum that we need to know God so that we can just like, hey, what's the bare minimum that I need to get to heaven? Once I get to heaven, that's cool. Like, I, I'm done. And once I'm saved, that, that's good. Like, I don't need Jesus after that. I don't need Jesus. I don't need to know Jesus. I don't need to, you know, spend time in community. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be in small group. I don't need to spend time doing my quiet times and, and understanding who God is. Many times when, when it comes to we hit to salvation, we hit the, the bare minimum. And because of that, we don't know who the object of our faith is. We haven't taken the time to spend in God's word, to spend listening to the Holy Spirit leading us, guiding us, teaching us about who he is? Do we know who God is? Do you know who God is? Have you spent enough time to understand who the object of your faith is? Lastly, today, we're talking about offering of faith. And this one is especially tough. Hebrews eleven seventeen says this, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. The last item on our checkup list today is this. Are you and I willing to give God an offering? I'm not specifically saying, like, monetary. That's also really important, okay? So we, we do, as, um, as a church, as an organization, we do need to think, 
about where our money goes. And I, and I, and I do want to say that because when it comes to money in the Bible, this, the, the Bible talks a lot about money. Right? Where your treasures are, there is your heart as well. Where you give your money financially, and those of you who don't work, um, which is a lot of us in here, that's okay. I'm not saying that you need to um, give money when you don't have any, but I am saying that when it comes to the point where you are making money, where you, where you spend your money, how you spend your money, that's going to matter because that's what you value. Now, Abraham was given a test, and this test was to sacrifice his son Isaac. Even though the promise that was given to him specifically said that through Isaac, Abraham would become a great nation. Through this son, Abraham would, his descendants would be great, and they would outnumber the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. So how is it possible for Abraham to sacrifice this son and at the same time for God's covenant and God's promise to exist? Abraham's offering to God was that he understood because of his obedience, because of the object of his, he knew that God was the object of his faith, Abraham willingly gave his son as an offering. He says, God, this is my son. I know that you promised me through this son that I would become the father of a great nation. Yet I will hold him openly with open hands and give him to you and you do with him what you will. I trust that I don't even know what ha will, how will it happen or what will, will it happen, but I trust that if I give this to you as my offering, that you will fulfill your promise because I know who you are. I think that when it comes to us, when we think about this word offering, we talked about last week about what worship, bringing our first fruits, and that's really important, bringing our best before the Lord. But here, what we're also talking about is what do you and your heart value the most? What do you and your heart, what do I and my heart, what do we value the most? Do you and I believe that when God asks us of something, that what he has to offer, who he is, the life that he promises us, the salvation that is given to us, the working of the Holy Spirit within us, that ultimately all of that is better than what you and I hold as most valuable. As a new father, one of the, the as I read through this passage, it was really, really uh, unnerving and really scary. To put myself into Abraham's shoes and for God to say, hey, Would you be willing to offer up your son, your child, your only child, to me? And I think as a new parent, like that, first of all, it scares me like none other. And I'm really thankful that God's not actually, well, I don't know, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I know that God is going to ask of me. Um, and challenge me and my wife. Uh, but it's scary. 
it, it's scary to think about like how, how I would have to maybe let certain things go. I mean, right now my life, my entire life revolves around him. His schedule, his ability to sleep, how much he eats, how much he poops, all of these things. Like, that's what my life is right now. And for God to say, hey, can you, would you be willing to give him to me? And I think that's really, really scary. And I think also in our culture to think about, um, and I think that's why, like, a lot of people in our culture, in the Asian American community, when, when we say, like, hey, we're actually, when we tell our parents, hey, we want to go into full-time ministry, or hey, we want to go into the mission field, it's so scary. It's so scary. Because it's like, well, God, well, how, how will they eat? How will they sleep? How will they, how will they pay for things? And, and I think, like, a lot of us, what we are holding on to, we don't think, we don't, because we don't understand the object of our faith when it comes to the offering that we give God, it's usually not our best. It's usually not the thing. God, you can take all of this, except let me hold on to this. God, I'm willing to follow you as long as you make sure that my career has six figures. God, I'm willing to serve in my campus ministry as long as you provide a girlfriend for me. Right, God, I'm willing to do these things except for this thing that I value the most. And I think for us, this is a really, it's really hard. Because this is asking us as a church to take the things that we hold the most valuable and hold them with an open hand so that God may take it and do with it what he will. Because we trust that when God takes it, when, we, when God takes our, our, our dreams, when God takes the thing that is most valuable to us, we're saying, God, all of this, we value you more than all of these things that we are holding on to. It's hard. Many of us have tremendous dreams. Getting into Ivy League schools, driving a Tesla, you know feeling comfortable, buying a big house, living in California, right? Those are, well, I mean, not now. There's no rain there, right? There, we value these things, and we're holding on to these things, and we're holding these things dear to our hearts. And God is saying, what are you willing to offer to me? Your faith, our faith does require sacrifice. It does require us to really evaluate what are we holding on to in our hearts, in our lives, and are we willing to give God those things? So, how is your heart? How is your faith? How have you been obedient in your faith this past week? How have you been obedient in your faith this past month or this past year? Do you and I really understand the object of our faith? Who God is, that God, when he promises something, that he will do what he says he will do. He is who he says he is. His character never changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do we understand and do we hold on to those things in our offering? I just have a few kind of, like, I mean, our audience is really big. And so 
I hope to just give us some very practical things to do. This week, in our obedience of faith, I don't know where you are. Maybe it is waking up early, reading God's word, spending time with God. Maybe it is reaching out to that friend. As the church and as Christians, we understand that our call as believers is to love God and love others. For many of us, we need to work on this first part. How can we love God more? How can you and I love God more? And how can we love people? Our world is so divided, more so than ever, because of the amount of, like, political issues, the amount of race issues, um, the amount of, like, mental health issues. There's just so much going on that divide us. And even within the church, there's a lot of churches that have, are, are not unified. As in our obedience, how can we continue to love God and how can we continue to love others? How can we reach out and be obedient when God calls us into those uncomfortable situations where you maybe have the opportunity to share the gospel with a coworker, with a friend, with a relative, inviting them into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? How can we this week spend time to understand the object of our faith better? To to find those opportunities to put our faith in the strongest thing that there ever is, our God. And maybe list out some of the things that we have put our faith in in the past. And take the time to evaluate how are those things from strongest to weakest. And lastly, what do you value most? Take the time to just ask yourself that question. What is at the forefront of your heart and what do you value most? And are you willing, are you and I willing to give that up as an offering to our God? Take some time this week to go through this checkup list. To really evaluate, to see how our faith is doing. Join us next week as we continue on. Church, let's pray together. God, we thank, thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that... We're able to take some time to evaluate, to do a checkup um, of how our faith is doing. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit convicts us, that reminds us, um, challenges us in maybe some of the areas that we've been lacking. And God, we ask you to continue to work in us because we know, God, that your work in us is not finished that we can continue to grow in faith. And Lord, we confess those, those times or those, those moments where we've really not valued you, not held you um, as important in our lives. We've maybe hold, held back certain aspects of our offering or our obedience because we felt like we, are, we ourselves are more trustworthy than you. And God, we confess those times to you. God, will you remind us of your goodness, remind us of who you are. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.